Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. But I tell you what, these top two offices are our specialty. We don't apologize. You know what? We're not shy about it either. So if you're serious, we're for the serious and not the delirious, okay? We're for the serious who want to be trained in their mantle or their gifts, office, gift or office, it doesn't matter. If you want to be the best at who you are and what God called you to be within those confines, then we are the place for you. I've been around for a little bit now, a few years, a couple months, a couple days, a few hours, and uh, and the fruit, truly, though, the fruit of the mantle, the fruit of the womb, the fruit of the mantle, the fruit of the training, <laughs> and the fruit of being dedicated and sticking to it. I think it's sad how many people quit for a variety of reasons that in the moment seem very logical and reasonable to them. I didn't have the money. My family wasn't supporting me. And what happens is time goes by. Those situations resolve themselves one way or another. And you find out, man, I really miss God. I should have pressed. I should have just pressed to make it happen. And then I wouldn't be here in this situation right now. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to with regret in their soul for not pressing to make it work, for not being willing to resist the opposition, resist the temptation to quit, resist the temptation to follow who's maybe popular, who has big numbers, who's all over the place, but really doesn't have the substance. I think it's very sad how many people we've known, Dr. Price, over the years who talk themselves into doing what's popular or easy and then say it was God, even though he told you, to be here, I think you addressed this recently uh, on a Sunday in church about, so God is schizophrenic. Mm. So he told you to do this, and then he told you to do the contrary, and then he told you to do this, and then he told you to do the contrary, and then, okay, so we really need to find out who's talking to you. You know what, the truth be told, um, people have been told that they're so much in charge of what God says that they can impose their thoughts on his and then alter his thoughts. You realize how many pastors alter, how many leaders, people, teach their folks to alter God's thoughts? Because the, what do they say? Well, the Bible was written by man. Yeah. You know? That's our favorite. The Bible was written by man, and therefore we don't have to listen to it. You really? Your, your wedding vows were written by man. Thank you. Your contract for your insurance was written by man. Thank you. Well, I, Good job. But, you know, I'm excited. I got coffee. You know how it is. Got to have that coffee. I got coffee. I got, wait a minute, hold on, because, you know, you always, you think you own the gavel these days. Gave you a commissioning stuff, and now you, yeah, but you know what, you leap on it, though, girl. I don't use the gavel without permission. Well, yes, you know, I'm obedient. But I'm excited. We're on today, and I'm excited. Please make sure you share. Ready to go? Oh, oh, let's get them. Block Talk. 
My firstborn. You know, I'm going to always say that. Block Talk is my firstborn. Block Talk got us to everybody else. And, uh, and, I, and I like having Block Talk. Just in case Facebook and other streaming media broadcasts mess up, you can go to Block Talk. And we have a camera. So if you missed it, go and uh, let us know, and we'll see how we can get it for you. They tell me I am on. Good morning, Facebook. It is Thursday. It is the Paula Price show where Paula Price is getting ready to take out some stuff. This is going to be a very potent show. Potent. Say potent. Potent. I want you to do me a favor. Right now, share. Share, share. Invite your friends. Invite your enemies. Invite God's friends and enemies. Invite everybody you know. Go through your Facebook list. Because we're about to go there. And I like it when I get to go there. They're going to give me a pen in a minute so I can make a note. But we're about to go there and, and really talk, talk. We're going to talk, talk today. I told my whole staff, um, uh, today I decided to bring the whole Godhead, all three and me. Isn't that wonderful? Me and the Godhead. Them three, I'm the dot O. I'm the dot O. So we got Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and me. Hey, I'm the Dotto. I'm earning my straps. Got to get up there. I got to earn my glory. And so I want you to talk. You know, um, literally, I want you to tell your friends. I want you to tell whomever you know. Listen to this woman because it's about to get good and juicy. You know, what I like about doing this for 30-something years is that I'm addicted to it, and it's, it's literally infused in me. I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ. I am the Jesus woman. You say, well, who is she? I'm the Jesus woman. He's a honey man. I used to get honey man cloths and stuff I had made. Don't know what happened to those. But I'm going to get my monogram stuff again because I like it. I like to slap with the Jesus. Hallelujah. like to slap with Jesus. And then we got a bell. Wait a minute. Hold on. I got a bell. Ah, ah. And if that's not enough, I got a gavel and a pounder. I like that. That sounds good. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. You see, what, what I like about these women in my studio is that I can throw cues. And they, you know. Most people, they all, they go to the bathroom and cry. Not these women. Let me find something. <laughs> they used to go to the bathroom and cry, though. They did. It was hard. <laughs> got, I got a few guests in my audience today, so we're going to have a blast. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about uh, spiritual guardianship. See? Now, don't you want, don't you want to. Don't you want to? And you see, I got this. Look at that. I got the little cosmic. We out there, and then the, we, the heavens breaking through for us. And you see, watching, serving, and securing. You like that? I got my little helicopter. You know, they fly over our city at night telling you about weather and crime. I thought I'd let you know that they have a spiritual counterpart. And flying over the city, and it's guardianship patrol. Now, it's important because I need you to understand that we are to patrol God's spiritual terrain and his ecclesial terrain. 
I introduced to my AITs the reality of scriptures offering mantles. You ever wonder why so many of those Bible verses sound so far away from Jesus Christ and they're real close to the people? See, they're so far away from Jesus Christ that the people get to fill in the blanks and the people get to adapt it the way they want. And so I introduced what's the difference. I said, well, God, what is the difference? He said, I never dictated a... um, any of my gospel to a pastor, evangelist, or teacher. They got it secondhand. The the gospel was handed to those last three. Now, that doesn't invalidate them. Please write it down because, see, y'all go out there and then you start getting all mad and say she said what she didn't say and all of that. But you all have to recognize the gospel came before the church. I think I should hit a... Yes, I'm in a, are you going, hey, y'all, I hope you like this sound because I'm on it today. I'm on it today. So I hope you like this sound because you're going to hear it a lot. But the gospel precedes the church. As a matter of fact, when I go all the way down to the book of Revelation, I find that the gospel precedes earth. As a matter of fact, when you read in the book of Revelation, Jesus talks about the seven angels over the seven churches. Angels precede earth. So all of this stuff that we have taken human um, license with has, a, has an archetype. We might be the prototype, but God says more of the angels are the prototype. He, we, there's an archetype, which means that which comes from the throne of Christ and Christ himself. The prototype is the world, the invisible world that predates and precedes this world. And then we are the model or the product. So with experiments, okay, so let's see how this works in flesh. We know how it works in spirit. Let's see how it turns out in flesh. Can we turn mortals into immortals? Can we turn the doomed into the blessed? You see how this is going? So all of this stuff that we're arguing with, scriptures offering mantles understand it because most of them have had that up close and, per, I mean, very direct interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ. He breathed on the apostles and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. He breathed face to face before the Holy, while the Holy Ghost was in root coming to earth. He breathed on them. He had the apostles in his three and a half year class that didn't just have a course a week. So a lot of us, we so I don't have time. I don't know. No, if you if, if you don't have time to be excellent, then you have already decided not to be excellent, and you've decreed excellence does not have to come to you. Because excellence takes time, trials, troubles, tribulations, etc., so you get to triumph. So these apostles were not as, as you know, because you hear the, the Satan story. These apostles were, yeah, well, you know, they were back there without life. Whoever said you can't learn through candlelight? Whoever said the light that you read with determines the, the revelation or the intelligence you get? Nobody ever said that. Kids have been reading in the bed under their blankets with a flashlight for years, decades. So how do you say that? See, so my job, what makes the idea of scripture, scriptures offering mantles important is that we are not put off by fleshly rhetoric. See, that's all you know, I call that dem- demonic fleshly rhetoric. They, they, Satan, you know, it's kind of like damage control. They just start straining at a gnat, trying to split hairs, 
trying to pick at every little thing because they can't touch the substance of Christ. They can't touch the substance of truth. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So God introduces everything from my Bible. Now I'm looking, everything with a prophet. I will all day long tell you, you prophets, stop trying to vacate your office. Stop trying to self-promote and stop self-elevating and stop letting people tell you that you're really headed to being an apostle. Stop that. And I'll tell you, it's, it's dangerous for you to do it because the, the office that God's going to bless and give you credit for is the one you're leaving. See, because I read my Bible and it doesn't say if you give a prophet a cup of cold water in the name of a prophet. It doesn't say that about any other office. Why? Because you're the starter. You're the ignition. You're the igniter. Stop that. You are right now. Some of y'all about a good 10 or so. You're about to be elevated to apostles. You're not. Stop it. We need our messengers. We need our correspondents. We need our divine communicants. That's a whole branch of eternal service. Oh, somebody going to help me get this. I know y'all going to get it. Stop that. Stop it. And you make bad apostles because you're not an apostle because you don't have the internal or external attributes for the office. All you have is aspiration and a little bit of reflection from the apostles that you've been running with. Stay in your office and your harvest will come. Stay in your office and your blessings will come because just like any other job, the salary is in the office. The benefits are in the office. The authority is in the office. And if you bump into another office, you have no authority because you don't have the attributes. Because the office recognizes the mantle and the attributes and the assets of its occupant. Just like somebody coming in and you put the wrong person in a physical office, you're going to get a mess. After class, I'm putting together a powerful class on uh, office versus gifting, how they work together. One doesn't cancel out the other, but you need to recognize it. I'm saying again, if you are prophet, you need to take my assessment because when they put you in the wrong office, the trials of that office and the consequences of neglect of the office you're leaving will double up on you, and it won't pay off. That's why you said, since I answered this apostle's call, yeah, there is an orientation to that sphere. But if you've been in that thing and all you had is hardship in your family and your kids and your dogs, your, your money, your investments, your house, if that's constant, you are in the wrong office. Back down out of there and go and get your harvest where it really is. That was good. Hold on. Wait a minute. I got to get something. Hold on. Get something and get something. Got to sit. Go back to your office and stop choosing vainglory as your, uh, as your uh, uh, credibility. That's just vainglory. Well, I just, I just want a title because it's number one. Number one is not always the softest, easiest spot to be in. Matter of fact, most people like number two because number two is cushioned by one and three. <laughs> so a lot of people say, I'll stay two because two, you are blanketed. One and last, first and last, they catch all the heat. First, catch the beginning, and last, catch the residuals. So I'm telling you because I'm, I prophesied to you that the Lord Jesus is kicking misfits out of those offices. 
misfits, misapplied, misplaced, mismissed, because you missed the mark. And so I wanted you to understand that a great deal of what got through got through because the wrong people were sitting in the right office, in the office that was supposed to be the guardian, the office that was supposed to be the, the you know, protector, the filter, the approver, the authenticator. And pastors are four for a reason. And teachers are five for a reason. And we have got to say we, that this is the case. So we got, we've got people doing the scriptures, authoring Mantle's job. And I remember I once had a, um, I once had a Catholic priest tell me that they know apostles are first and second, but nobody ever says it. Well, it's about time for the apostles to say it. Yeah, we know that's right. They know the apostles predate the church. They know that the word of God came to apostles in the New Testament and prophets in the Old. That, that's known, but you know what? That's not what we say. I didn't even get into the discussion as to why they didn't think we deserved it. But what I do know is we got apostles and prophets agreeing with them. Well, you know, I'm not going to call myself that. Well, if God didn't call you, you shouldn't. But if God called you, you ought to, because that's where his power is. God is a God of words. Jesus is the Logos. So every word are what God uses to release his power. So every time I say, I am a chief prophet, God says, well, that's right. That's the office you're in. That's the station, station you are. That's the responsibilities that I put upon you. you have, that's where your duties are defined. So I am agreeing with God like you agree with your job. You can go to your job all day long saying, you know what, I put you on as customer service. You're like, but I think I should be a supervisor. And you just take it upon yourself one day to just go in there, sit in the supervisor's office, and do the job. And when you sit in that office, you realize, wow, I don't know what they do. And they make it look so good and so easy, you think you can do that. But I'm telling you, you we're going to get past that, that, that pious coyness. I'm just going to do it. If you do it without a title, if you do it without authority, if you do it without license, it doesn't count. You are an invader. You are an intruder. Because it's your title that authorizes you to intrude in certain in every sphere of business. Somebody off the street cannot come, off the, come out in the lobby, walk through the lobby, hear a phone ring and pick it up. At which point security is going to ask you, are you crazy? But we do that in the church. We come off the street, we just pick it up, and then we say what we think and what we feel. But scriptures authoring masters are the prophets and the apostles. And I say prophet first in some cases because everything starts with a prophet. That is why prophets are supposed to be highly, highly educated because they have to absorb the, the uh, information that uh, credentials everything else. Apostles of credit, prophets credential. Write that down. Y'all got me in my teaching mode today, and I got a boom. Apostles of credit, prophets credential. And prophets credential, even the apostles. John the Baptist had to credential Jesus. Oh, I got it. 
But, you know, guys, I might be real animated today. Y'all better pray for me because I'm all over the place and I haven't even got to where I'm going. I'm excited. This is great stuff. I have to keep telling you it's great so that those of you who want to argue with it don't have to think it through. <laughs> this is good stuff. So a, you are, you prophets who jump out of your office, you have to wait for a prophet to come and credential your apostleship. John the Baptist, this is he of whom it was said. So he credentials Jesus to become the accreditor. Y'all like this? I'm winding up. God, I'm winding up. Give it. Okay, I'm back. Can I ask a question from back here? You can. Okay. What's the difference between accredit and credential? Well, accredit is, the word accredit did not start in universities. It started in diplomacy. So diplomats are accredited, which means they're, they are given the credit of the sending agency. Credential is, the, is, is a, a credit is a type of credential, but it emphasizes the individual, not the commission, not the sent forth. Now, these are, because, you know, people, when, when the enemy wants to mess up everything, he skews meanings and carrying on. So I keep digging. I go down to the base. So credential is, is, is something that, get, that gives credit or gives you credit for what you've done because of authentication. So credentials authenticate. Yes, this is a prophet. Yes, John the Baptist with the, with the hairy coat, the hairy garment, and the battle, um, the, the belt around the waist. Yes. And so, yes, his words have been tried, and yes, we have noticed that his backers are performing his words. So the credential will authenticate you, but the accreditation will send you, commission you, and authorize your involvement or your capacity to go and speak in the name of ascending power. And usually that power is sovereign in many cases. Today we have pretty much, because, you know, a lot of tactics, my God, when I have my uh, demonic tactics class, a lot of tactics were literally made common sense or wisdom for the world because Satan wanted to dismantle the church. And we're going to start looking at how many, how much of this stuff was literally to dismantle the church and dethrone Jesus Christ. That's something scriptures authoring mantles, if they are highly trained, will tell you. So they'll look at a trend and say, yeah, but see, in 10 years, this is what's going to happen because they understand how creation uh, passes down or devolves its, its products, its tactics, etc. Remember, the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Eve saw the tree and it looked great. Now God saw that Eve would, would release the sons of God on the daughters of men. Isn't that good? See, so scriptures offering mantles are not just intelligent. They're perceptive and intuitive. They're not just predictive. They're also pragmatic and strategic. And so it was, it's that makeup that God uses to give his high knowledge to, high knowledge. But he called them apostles. He called them prophets. He did. As far as, as, far as they were concerned, we fishermen and school teachers. We're IRS agents, tax collectors. He called them apostles. You know, 
Paul sent out as an assassin. He turned, God turned him from an assassin to an apostle. See, you, that pragmatism you're, you're going to get from those who receive it because we are the co-authors of Scripture. This mantle, what our spirit. Well, I don't know if I believe in that. When Jesus came, they thought Jesus was Jeremiah because they were accustomed to the spirits of these offices and the mantles remaining in the planet even when the body died. So Jesus asked them, who do, you, who do people say I am? And they said, some say Isaiah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So the prophet's mantle has a lot going on that we've never touched. The main one being stored in the earth realm until God decides to put it in a person or store it in the earth realm until the person to take it on or people are born. And then it comes through the genetic seed. Those mantles, that mantle is not just sitting in, the, in some, some sort of secret vault. The vault is humanity. I think that's very powerful. The vault, the vault is humanity. Um, and so you need to understand that your genetic makeup makes you a prophet, a prophet, um, I want to say a natural prophet. But it's the office that makes you an official prophet. The gift comes from you being a natural prophet. But installation in an office, qualifying for an office, that's something different. And so you should know that. So when I talk about scriptures authoring mantles, I'm talking about the scriptures uh, on uh, uh, apostles and prophets. They are who God inspired to write his word. Peter said, holy men of God moved, wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It's so important that we stop acting as if this is some sort of wow church gift. Prophets and apostles predate the church. There was no church when there were apostles. So the task that falls to us is to figure out why that was so and what they did before the church. I got to hit. Boom! So, and, and what authenticates an apostle? What and because apostles, the thing became inverted. When God had just one carnal nation, one human nation, he had the prophets in control. When that nation was, went global, when God took his covenant and his uh, nationality global, the apostles took that seat, and they became the accreditors of all the rest of the five folk. Don't you love this, Jesus? So we need to talk about that. So if you look on your screen by now, you can see that there's a break-in in the heavenly realms, and then we have this, this broke through, and these are the guardians, because you cannot guard physically what God is not guarding spiritually. So moving on, Matthew eleven twelve, and from the days of John the Baptist, prophet, until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Natural Israel, in order to, um, to inherit what God had prophesied, had to turn violent and take the territories that God gave them 
at his word by force. In other words, to occupy what God said was theirs, they had to turn violent. We have Joshua. Joshua, the minute Joshua steps up to do his job, who comes? The supernatural agent that was seen to Moses' success. Hmm. When you, because you don't read the Old Testament, you think God was out of control. The reason God's natural nation could become a world power is because of the powers that heaven sent to the planet. I'm going somewhere. Heaven sent the warring forces of the Almighty to go, you see it from literally from Genesis, Moses, uh, uh, Abraham, and his 300 servants taking out five nations. Because I know we say kings, but kings come with armies. You know, they usually don't just show up and say, let's have dinner unless it's a, a diplomatic meeting. So we see it from Abraham taking out five nations, and we go all the way down. We come from Abraham. We get to Isaac and Jacob reproducing and fighting. We come all the way down to Moses and Balaam. Because, see, you've got to take out the one above you if you want to get in your seat. Now, I'm not talking about physical murder because I'm telling you right now, Mo, uh, Abraham had 300 folks. You know good and well he couldn't take out five. Not, uh, you know, we have Melchizedek. Melchizedek. You know, we kings and priests, and you hear people say, well, I'm, play, I'm doing the king's side. I'm doing the priest's side. God bless you because Dr. Price is doing them both. Because one faces heaven and the other rules the earth. So I'm pleasing my God, and I'm keeping his territory. I'm just saying, y'all got something to drink? Get a cup. I don't split king priest. I really don't. And I never will. Because God didn't tell us this, but Jesus came as king and priest. And in the Old Testament, it was apostle, it was prophet, king, and priest over in that one nation scheme. In the New Testament, it is apostle, prophet, teacher. We don't read our Bibles, guys, and we don't read it because we had the people who hated reading teaching us. Because it's, it's there. It's there to see. You can't miss it. If you read it, it's going to get you. So I, I, I just want you to understand that when God says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, no, we, we treated that like, like yeah, um, well, well, now that Jesus is gone, no. The kingdom of heaven had never come to earth. And he's saying, in route to coming to earth, all of those spiritual powers and principalities and all of those devils and demons were fighting the kingdom of heaven as it was coming to earth to bring you and me. So God's kingdom of heaven, he said, I am the king of the kingdom. I came. I came to fulfill my word by saying I will take out of every nation Gentiles who are called by my name. Now, we all act like the devil's going to go away sweetly. That's how we got into this place now in the uh, 21st century because we act like he's like, well, Jesus is coming. Are you kidding? 
Satan can't be anything else but what he is. And he's employed by God and deployed by God to deal with those who opt out of Christianity. And he is to vet those who are trying to enter Christianity by making sure, oh, help me, Jesus, that they are true, that they are genuine, that there is true repentance, that there is true conversion, that the new creation is actually in that being. Is anybody hearing me? Because you need to recognize he has a job, and his job is not to rule over you. His job is to rule over Adam's seed, not the seed of Christ. He doesn't rule over us. He doesn't. Now, and if he does, we give him that rule. We're going somewhere. Just say she's going somewhere. So let's read this famous passage. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means human. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ taking every thought captive, and we are ready to punish any disobedience when your obedience has been confirmed. Our job is this. And Paul didn't give this authority to everybody. He was talking about the apostles and the purpose of an apostle in your life. The Bible says that God raised up apostles to make the Gentiles that he pulls out of the nations obedient to the faith of Jesus Christ. So you need somebody to tell you. You can get 15 translations of the Bible, and you still won't get what I say week to week. And you know why? Because you're reading it in the blind. You're reading it with your pastor's revelation. You're reading it with all of the books, and you don't read the Bible the way it is, and you read it as if God has to earn his credibility. See, I don't. I figure I'm all, I'm like, you know, I'm like the scripture let God be true in every man a liar. In my mind, every human is a liar because we are born from the liar. John eight forty four. so y'all don't write me and get all upset. And, you know, it's really, it's really interesting that you write me as if you're going to change this. I've been doing this for 32 years. Do I really care? I mean, 32 years. If I care, do, can I really change? This thing has gone from being an option, moving right into me, to becoming an operation through me. I'm an operative of the Holy Ghost. So you can write and scream and fucking, I don't care. Jesus did not care. He said, are you kidding? I'm going to die. I'm going to rise from the dead, and I'm going to get all of those that are in hell out of hell. I'm going back home, and I'm taking them with me, and I'm going to sit on my throne. And you can spitball all day long. I'm still going to rule your life, your world, and your soul. The wonderful thing about God is he can make everybody do what he wants and never open his mouth and keep it a secret. Keep it a secret. So our job, <clears throat> there is a warfare. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The Lord Jesus said that. Not an apostle. The Lord Jesus Christ said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violence, take it. By four. He didn't say the Christian. He did not say, and the Christian takes it by force. He did not say, and the believer takes it by force. He didn't say that. You got a whole lot of, you know, of, of, of um, 
of secularists and humanists and, and occultists talking about, yeah, well, you know, the, they, were, they were mean and, they, and this wasn't right. No, no, no. They mad because they didn't think that a loving God could turn violent. But when it comes to God's kingdom, you're going to meet the ruthless side of Jesus Christ because this man said, I'm not going down for y'all. See, that's the gospel you didn't hear preached. I'm not going down for y'all. I want you to understand, when you all are done, after you get old, sick, crippled, crazy, and dead, I'm still going to be king of kings and lord of lords because my heaven is not going to be overrun by devils. I've already dealt with that. That mandate is out there in eternity. It's in every star. It's in every constellation. It's in every asteroid. It's in every comet. It's in every universe. It's in all creation. They all know. The battle was on. Jesus won. Satan's a loser. That is dumb. I'm telling you, you are, I don't care what they say. You need to find out. Your better question is, why didn't God stop this last rampage? That's your question. Not could he. You need to find out why he wouldn't. Because if you can answer that, then you can be on this team. See, we ask, we ask few questions. And then we, can, we are upset because we get cosmic answers, supernal answers. Ah, oh, that's too deep. I, I get too deep. I, uh, uh, uh. Baby, my Bible says deep calls unto deep. So if you find me deep, you ought to be running to me, not from me. Unless, of course, you're shallow, which is the opposite of the word. I'm only doing This is just semantics right now. Opposite of the word deep. So when you say that, it sounds like, yeah, well, you know, Dr. Price, you know, I mean, she's just too deep, and she just, I, I don't know, and you start backing up. You're just like, I can't swim in the deep things of God. I can't take God's depth. And if you can't take his depth, what are you doing in his circles? Because if you're going to, we like teaching kingdom, but if you're going to do kingdom, you better know kings are deep. Monarchs, sovereigns, deep, because they got to keep their realm, so they can't pander to them. See, we have bought this thing, help me, Jesus, we bought into this thing, that, you know, of this, this whole fourth and fifth estate, you know, the people rule, that people rule until God sends his forces into earth, at which point heaven rules in the kingdom of men. That's what I know. So I said to God, well, God's been telling me, I got a lot for you today. You able to go with me today? Go tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your enemy. Tell your pastors, your prophets, your apostles. Get on the line because I'm going somewhere today. So share, share. If you are a teacher, an apostolic, prophetic, Christian, ministerial, whatever, teacher, hey, call your students and say, get on this line. Because, see, I'm telling you about the hard reset. And God's about to double down on this hard reset. Because Jesus said, I'm not, I am not coming down because of y'all. God would just as soon cut off earth, shut the door, and let us work it out until we die. Before, as to let anything overturn his throne. You are not going to get rid of Jesus Christ. You just won't see what he's doing to you. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Am I getting it? <clears throat> Let's go to Matthew 
So we right now, I've been prophesying for a while. I've been prophesying for a while that um, we're, we're going to have to deal more with the Lion of Judah and Jesus as the sovereign of creation than we ever have in recent centuries. The sovereign is going to win because everything that we're living is rerun for Jesus Christ. It's just a repeat. And so he's all, that's why we can say he's already won. Because we, we're thinking, well, if this is a faith statement, God already won. So if he already won the battle, then all we have to do is praise. No, you need to win it in your flesh. Because the fleshly world has not gotten the news that Jesus won. But the eyes of faith have. And so the eyes of faith will say, Jesus will win this because he won it. And when did he win it? He won it. When the last civilization, remember, he's got civilizations all over the world. The Bible said through Jesus, God made the world plural. So this, we're not the only thing he's working out. The man is the master because he made it all. If you're the maker, you're going to be the master if you are going to know what you're doing. So Jesus has expertise in controlling worlds because he's got expertise in making them. Through whom God made the worlds. And so you have to look at the fact that Satan has taken you out your, out your Bible, and he's taken you out of your Bible by people who hated the Bible and people who hated Jesus Christ, and they hated Christianity. Now, you, you say, well, God, I don't know what God's going to do. He managed with, with Jeroboam. He took them out. He managed to do that with Jezebel, left her body to be eaten by the dogs. Dogs had a feast on witchcraft. They feasted on dethroned witchcraft. He managed to do that. Didn't he? Yes. He managed to do it with the son on the cross. He led captivity captive, making a show of them openly, so much so that Paul says that he, Paul is listening to the spirits and listening to their moaning and bemoaning Jesus' dethronement and destruction. He said, but if they had known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They was like, did anybody know that he could reproduce himself in hell? Who, who didn't do their homework? Somebody didn't do their homework. See, this is apostles' doctrine. And so, he has dethroned them. You cannot be this man's apostle or prophet if you question his ability to do what he's already mastered. Now, the fact that he, he confines himself to a 24-7, 365 window, notwithstanding, that's the reason why you think he can't do it. Because, see, in his world, he, it's done. God doesn't have a clock on himself. He imposed his clock on us. He doesn't have a calendar on himself. He put us on his calendar. So when you are an apostle, scriptures are often mantles. They sound different. They hear God differently. They look at certain situations differently. So they're going to look at the, every argument as an author of God's word, but also a literal representative of the throne of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus dethroned principalities and powers made a show of him openly. Now, the pastor who wants people not to be afraid of their Savior is going to not really punch that up. 
But the kingdom, those who represent the king, the king in his kingdom, those kingdom agents, superintendents, monarchs, etc., they're going to tell you this because they want you to recognize your church's faith because we're doing our job. So they, we want you to feel safe. They want you to feel comfortable and secure. Very different objectives. Both are correct. Both are right. So if you look at this, so you have to, we, we have to unlock our authority in Christ. And in the past, everything has been, you know, the authority of Christ. But in, when you start moving with the, uh, the kings and monarchies and sovereigns, you move from just authority to dominion. And dominion is something else. And I did a whole study on that, and we'll talk about that in future times. But if you notice, we, we, the Bible, the sword, the key, that's what keeps the kingdom. And if we keep the kingdom, the church is safe. What happened was Satan knew that if he got rid of apostles and prophets, he could breach the kingdom because he knew we, you know, humans don't get it, but he knew that if, If there wasn't this message that I'm teaching and and the angels and the protocrats, we have a course in our school, Price University, called the uh, King's Spiritual Protocrats or Spiritual Protocratic, he knew that certain words um, authorized and released certain spiritual powers and forces. And he knew those are the ones that took him out. You have to preach as an apostle and prophet. You've got to preach strategically and tactically. People can't just be equipped. In the church, the church equips. In the kingdom, we arm. And ideally, you'll be armed to be safely equipped or equipped to handle the armaments very safely. You need both. So when you deal with, that's why everyone says, yeah, but the reason I don't deal with apostles and prophets is because they're so militant. So is our government. So is every government. Because they have to secure their citizens, their territories, their privileges, their licenses, and on we go. We haven't taught you that as apostles and prophets. We just let you come up and say, you the set man, and you the set woman, and, and you the set set. And you set in order, and you set at liberty, and you just set. Baby, set itself is a whole other word. But we'll talk about that again. That's an enrolling class. So we're moving from spiritual to kingdom authority, and, and the effect is the authority that we exercise is, is literally archetypical, the chief authority that brought everything into existence. And it's an archetype of what heaven has always used to secure itself, to settle itself, and to regulate itself. You need this. Now I'm going somewhere. Let's move on. So we're on, I want to talk to you about soul hunt. You know, that's a big deal. If you look on the internet and key in the world, word soul hunt, you'll understand that Christians are being hunted. We think that's new. Don't you think that's new? It's not. Bless be God. There is nothing new under the sun. That which is today has always been done. So scriptures authoring mantles 
are not um, enraptured with novelty. They don't like it. They don't like it because novelty means a new deity has come in somewhere. And see, apostles and prophets do not deal with your doctrine as its priority. That's way down the line. They, they look for the deity that inspired that doctrine to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That's the consciousness of a genuine and faithful Apostle and prophets. They already know the, the highest part of their job is to remove these other deities out of Jesus' way. Pastors just want people to stay in church, not all of them, because I met some pastors that could be a little ruthless, trust me, God. They love their Savior. So don't take this as an all or ever. But the idea of, of vetting deities begins with apostles and prophets. And we vet, the, we vet your deity. And I'm going somewhere. You're going to be thankful that I went here. We vet deity. That's what apostles and prophets do. We prove them. We try them. That's what our job is supposed to be. Because if your deity is off, your salvation is non-existent. Did y'all get coffee this morning? Isn't this great got coffee? So the job of an apostle and prophet is to investigate your faith to make sure it's in the right deity or to identify, better expose the deity that you are serving either, either secretly or gullibly. That is our job. That's my job. I take what I'm called to do for the Lord Jesus Christ seriously because I'm good to my king and I'm treating my king right. Every man walks, everybody walks in the name of their God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever. Anybody hear what I'm saying? So you need to figure out what Christ you're walking in since Jesus himself said that there would be many Christ, saying here is the Christ, Christ over there, Christ over there, Christ up here, Christ down there. He said don't follow them. But he let you know. So if they're going to be many Christ, there's going to be many kinds of Christians. And not every Christian came from eternity. We're the Christians that came from eternity. See, born again, Holy Spirit, that's our distinctive. Born again, Holy Spirit-filled Christians. I mean, we had the Spirit-filled movement, but we didn't take it far enough. I'm taking it to the next level. Maybe somebody after me is going to take it someplace else. But Spirit-filled Christians came from heaven, which is why we're heavenly, which is why we're heaven-bound and heaven-conscious. We came from heaven. Every other religion came from the earth, which is why they're naturists. I'm going to keep saying that for the rest of you all to get it. So you are trying to act like the naturist because you can't figure out what it is to be a, a literal resident, citizen of another world, resident in this one. I got no identity crisis on this thing. Did y'all notice? I have no identity crisis. Did you notice that? I'm so, look at me. Are you kidding I know where I am. I know I sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I know that I was in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. I know that when the Holy Ghost came to the planet, I was the, my spirit was among the seeds that he deposited in the world to what? 
beget again those who were in Christ. I know that my whole being, from the moment I got born again, all of my spiritual apparatus is eternal. And it, it brings eternity into my being to convert me to eternity when I leave this body. See, I'm clear on this thing. So they can't tell me. So I'm going to get, because I'm getting there. I want you to know. I'm, try, I'm being good, too. I'm trying to cover myself. So Ezekiel, Sohan. Look up Sohan. They have whole festivities about Sohan. Because you all wonder how this goes. Whole festivities that trained uh, their agents, their occultists, to go out and hunt the souls of people so that they can doom them before they get born again. So here we go. Ezekiel 13, 17. Now, son of man, son of man is Ezekiel, who is a prophet. Turn toward the woman, the women of your people who prophesy out of their own imagination. Prophesy against them. Now, when you see that in Ezekiel, we see that, that, that same consciousness coming again in Zechariah when it talks about the, um, the two women who are carrying the Babylonian uh, culture into the future, and they put a lead top on it so that it doesn't come out ahead of time, show you how in, how in control God is. We go all the way down to uh, Nehemiah, and when we go down to Nehemiah, we get Noadiah and the other prophets who were prophesying to make Nehemiah afraid to finish what God called him to do. So false prophecy is huge in itself, but as is most things, many of those women who were following Jezebel's school, Jezebel's pattern, riding on her authority, they came against God's people. They are soul hunters. You need to understand, because some of those people you think are your pastors or you think are your mentors and teachers, they're soul hunters, and you are not listening to their words. You're not listening to their language because you're so busy hearing the, the, the intermittent Jesus, the intermittent Christ. You know, most time they'll say Christ because at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And they'll tell you, I'm a Christian too. I'm going to deal with that in just about a minute. Just about a minute. Ezekiel 13, 18. And say, this is what the Lord God says. That he said those women who prophesy out of their own imagination. See, that's your Wiccan Christian. That's your Muslim Christian. See, that's your Hindu Christian, your Buddhist Christian. Those are people prophesying out of their own imagination. And if we as apostles and prophets have got to vet those prophecies so that we can trace the deity that's speaking. That is our job. Heart reset. That is our job. Our job is not to let false prophecy become popularity. And to mark those who walk disorderly and ungodly among us. Our job is to do that. And there are some Christians who are doing that. They're, they're writing commentaries and whatnot to tell you who you can trust as a teacher and who you ought to flee from. That, is, that began as a prophet's job. And he said, 
Woe to the women who sew magic bands on the wrist of every hand, who make veils for the heads of their people of every height in order to ensnare lives. Will you ensnare the lives of my people but preserve your own? So these are just talking about, um, uh, what do you want to say, paraphernalia that they use, that they have dedicated to their deities and and they have um, prayed over for the power that comes in them. If you have a highly tattooed pastor, you need to leave. And I'm going to tell you why, for this same scripture. Because those devils come in through those, that artwork. See, all of that artwork, so you're wondering how your pastor can say all of this stuff and, 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 and be tatted up and you not hear about Jesus. They start telling you about another Jesus. And Paul said, anybody, so y'all don't get upset with me, he said, anybody who comes preaching another Jesus, let them be accursed. If they come preaching another gospel, let them be accursed. Now, that an apostle said. That means it's in eternal legislation. Because apostles are eternal governors. So if they tell you that you need to, I'm telling you, you need to leave your tatted pastor because you are literally working under those who are hunting souls for Satan. And you are part, you're going to be on the spiritual block being sold into sin. And I say that because I'm telling you, you can say all day long, but it's a sword Swords are for cutting and destruction. You can say it's a cross. Where we talk about that, the cross is for doom. You can say all of that stuff, but you do your homework. See, I think it's amazing, Apostle Ashley, that people fuss with me about what I say, and they never researched it. You never trace tattooing down yourself. You didn't do it. That's why your judge is hard as the person you're sitting under, because you're reproving what God has condemned. See, this argument ought not to even be. Y'all ought not to be writing anything on internet, but, hey, put a link. Look here. Put up another link. Look here. I found this. I found that. You, in today's time, deception is definitely a personal choice. You never, ever look. You want to sit there, well, I just believe. And you know why you don't want to look? Because you don't want to have to repent. <laughs> but if you can be big enough to repent, you can search out the truth. You're talking about people putting all all these other deities, beliefs, values, and access points on their body, and you think you're going to get the truth of Jesus Christ out of them? Yeah, you want to be deceived. And those of you say, but I don't care what you say, God has a word for that. In Thessalonians, he says, listen, and God will send them strong delusion." that they shall believe a lie who, did, who had pleasure in unrighteousness and did not receive the love of the truth. See, if, if you're really a true child of Jesus Christ, you're going to find this out, if you're true. So some of y'all are like, well, I just know I'm saved. You know you're saved because you went down to altar, sniffed and snot and prayed? That's not, that doesn't make you saved. That just makes you feel better. You don't. Yeah, a little catharsis, a little emotional catharsis. Because the Bible says you must be born again. You must receive a new spirit. You must receive a new heart. And the Holy Ghost must station himself within you. And if those are not your three criteria of salvation, you ain't saved. That's another job I have. The job of the apostles was to say who had received Jesus Christ in truth and in fact and in deed and who didn't. 
It was so much so that when Philip went down there and had that great revival in Ephesus, the apostles came down to inspect his work to see if he really, see who were real converts and who were fake. So let's talk about fake converts. Let's talk about Lady Gaga. Because this is my job. See, she's doing her job. I'm doing my job. And Lady Gaga going after our highly Christian vice president. So let me tell you, number one, Lady Gaga is not a Christian, or at least she's not a Christian according to the word that came to earth and became flesh. So I'm saying, write it down, because some of you all think I'm, uh -uh, I want you to write it down, because if you go to one of my earlier broadcasts, or later broadcast from last year, we had Lady Gaga recording on Facebook how wrapped in pain she was and how she had fallen out with the Illuminati. I, I, somebody's going to find that because I like my folks. They're going to find it. So she had fallen out with the Illuminati. See, I want to tell you this. See, this is how you do as an apostle. You find the strategy. You find the tactic, and you expose the works of darkness. This is a device of Satan. Our job is to literally test devices of Christianity. So this woman goes from looking like a haggard mess, racked with pain, can't move anything, to a Christian who can't recognize another Christian. This is my job, and I take. I told you, I'm good to my king, and I'm taking care of my king. My king is not going to get slandered and, and drugged through the mud by fallen angels. So this woman, who is now claiming to be a Christian, less than a year after I've seen this, because they sent it to me, I was like, and she outed the Illuminati. She talked about the man that was on the wall when she, when they, when she got recruited. Can I say this, saints of God? So we need that. This is why we need a powerful prophetic bureau that is vetting this nonsense and telling the saints the truth. So you went from that to try to tell another Christian that they're not Christian or that their Christian beliefs are wrong. Mm. Talk to me. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you had a real conversion, you would be on Pence's side. If you were a real Christian, you'd be celebrating his ability to hold to his faith and remain faithful to his God while somebody like you with a bunch of unenlightened, noisy world followers hanging on to your every deception and your every lie. The video is on YouTube. The give, give me the address uh, and post it on my site. Apostle Ashley found it on YouTube. Yeah. And she says, Lady Gaga, I regret selling my soul to Illuminati dark forces. Did you want to come up here and read it? Because you can. Because they sent it to me because, you know, people want me to know. So you went, so you just because you regret the Illuminati, and then next thing we know, you back on stage, back on top, that means y'all kissed and made up somewhere. Because I know Jesus Christ didn't put you back in the public eye because he purges before he presents. 
and you are unpurged. All of us who are real Christians, we know that. As a matter of fact, we expect it. The Bible says, and I know y'all are going to ask me for scripture, so let me help you out. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, God scourges every child he receives. So if he didn't whoop your behind, you are not a Christian. If he didn't drench you in the blood, you are not a Christian. If he did not bring the rod on your butt, you are not a Christian. If he didn't cause you to drop your own life, you are not a Christian. If he didn't call you to give up the, 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 the wages of sin, you are not a Christian. Don't sit here. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know this. I don't know our president or vice president. But what I do know is Christianity because I know the Christ thereof. So if you're still standing on stage with your butt gap and your and half dressed, you are not a Christian. Now you may have visited a church and had a moment under the anointing that was on that church. But you are not a Christian. And nobody's ever so I'm gonna tell you something, I'm a master in this thing because my master wanted me to be good at it. So I'm gonna tell you right now, you cannot talk to me about that. And you are not going to masquerade. To, I know Satan sent you out here, and you need to go back and tell him you tried and failed because they got a woman named Dr. Paula Price. And I am arming the body of Christ. And I am literally, because uh, you have not received Jesus Christ, so the first thing you would have done is stood up there in repentance and said, I repent for the life I live. I repent for bringing so many souls into darkness and taking so many souls to hell. I repent for a... No, baby, that word is needful. And the Bible says without repentance, there is no remission of sin. So your sins are still on you, no matter whose organization you're a member of. We got saints that haven't repented. And I tell them, but you never repented. You just said, I'm sorry. Apologize, Jesus. Oops, still let that know it was bad. Sorry. You never repented. Because when you repent, you that is a legal proceeding. Repentance is a legal act where you identify the closets of God's constitution that you breached, that you violated. You say, I did this. And you say it in a way that says, I know now, God, with your spirit, that I was not only wrong and that I not only wronged you, but I injured you. See, so don't, don't stop running around talking about these celebrities got saved. No, if they don't publicly repent, they're not saved. The Bible said confess your sins. He didn't say redress them up again. So I'm going to tell you right now, all of y'all, because I know a lot of y'all have been programmed by Satan to hate anything Christianity, a Christian, and to celebrate anything carnal, anything celebrity, anything secular. You've been programmed. You need your soul clean. You need a soul purge because your soul is literally infected with demonic activity, thoughts, opinions, and consciousness, and you, will, and you want Jesus Christ to earn his place among that mess. And that is not going to happen. Am I cutting up today? Told y'all I was going to cut up. Did I not say that? I did not say that. I said I was bringing the big three. The Godhead in me. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Big three. I decided, let me just bring the whole throne. That's not just, okay, we love you, Jesus, but just, uh, the Lord our God is one. 
He's one Lord. So look at this. Isaiah 8.20. Do y'all see this on the side? So we got, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So we got the soul hunters. So you, if you don't deal with people's, the devil's supplying and empowering people and using human authority to carry out demonic edicts, then you can pray all day long. So I don't have to fight them. I don't have to hurt their feelings. I just sit in my seat of authority and say, but y'all know who I am, and we're not doing this. You got to go. And next thing they know, they go back to their next little occult meeting, try to do their little tricks, don't work. Like Simon the Sorcerer and Peter. You need to read that. So they go back, and it, wasn't, and it won't work. And you know why it won't work? Because my authority is to tread on serpents and scorpions and over every, what is it say? Over every power of the enemy. Jesus said he came about doing good. He was anointed to do good. He said, I came to destroy the works of the devil because God wants to save souls. So you cannot be a genuine apostle and prophet and not be moved by the warfare that delivers souls to Christ's redemption. I'm going somewhere. So now, you know how we have people, you know, we got their cult keeps telling you they got a new doctrine, they got this. Well, God is, Isaiah is important. Now, you know what I like about Isaiah? Isaiah is the prophet that God snatched by the head and just come on <laughs> and brought him and he said what was me for I'm undone we like that and we preach that with sensationalism but guess what he literally saw the extreme antithesis of humanity and earth and he said oh my goodness I shouldn't even be standing why am I not dead I should be dead why am I not why am I killed and so he comes back and Isaiah had a school of the prophets. I know you don't often think so, but he did. He had a school. He said, because seal of the testimony among my disciples. So he had a school of the prophets. And Isaiah writes, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. This is about occultic prophets. Just in case you all didn't know, we do have occultic prophets. Now, they're not ours, per se. They're not on our team, you know. They're not batting for our side, but they are immantled. And so Isaiah is saying to his disciples, because you know how it is. Your prophets go out, go to a meeting, come back, and they are like, wow, they could do this. They could do magic, and they can do sorcery, and they prophets. No, uh-uh, they're not. Again, identify who's prophet, who is working that wonder. See, Simon the Sorcerer wanted everybody to think that Jesus saved him to use his occultic powers and his sorcery. That's what, that was the game. That was the con. And Philip was a, a good evangelist, good evangelical. They got saved, and that's all he knew. And God saved this big, this big wizard. God saved this big sorcerer. And so he was excited like they do. That's how come so many of them got in church. Pretending salvation, faking repentance, faking conversion. And so, but see, back then, apostles were very circumspect because they knew that if they let false converts in their church, they could be governments, assassins, etc. So they had to protect who came in and out of the congregation. 
So the apostles go down and say, let me go see. Let me see if these people really getting saved or they just enthusiastic. <laughs> got to know your job. You got to know your job. And I know mine. And I will tell you all day long. You all think that Satan takes it laying down. You think he has a party every time the, the, a sinner gets saved or every time he loses somebody? No, he doesn't. He comes back. And if you don't sit in your seat of authority, you won't realize it, and you'll be victimized by it. So let's look at this. That's Scripture 8, 12. I'm sorry, 11. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. Isaiah 8, 12. So God says to the prophet, I told you prophets ought not to be walking in fads. They ought not to be walking in trends because it makes them a double agent at best. Hallelujah. And a traitor in the end. So he knows it. So Isaiah is like, yeah, they're doing all of these things, you know, we could, you know, they can do all of these occult things and they bring in the little shamans and carrying on. No, 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 no. That is not who we are. We represent the solution to the people's destruction and deception, not the party to it. So he says, for the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy, neither fear ye their fear nor be afraid. Now, what are they saying? They're saying what we're saying today, you know, the, hum, the, the humanity unity. This is a unity. In other words, humanity is banding against God. This is Psalm 2 with the kings of the earth banded together. So that's what he's talking about. Verse 13, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary before um, a stone of a stumbling and for a rock of offense. We all know that in, in the New Testament, right? Here, Isaiah got it first. Offense <laughs> to both houses of Israel for a gem and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. This is what we have lived. God was like, Y'all have, in math, have decided that you want to self-destruct, that you want to die. You want to be led by darkness, contaminated, perverted, and destroyed. Y'all have decided that. And so here he goes down, and he says, so what I'm doing is I'm taking away your ability to know right from wrong and good from evil. Y'all know, we hold on. So you, could you keep wondering, like New York. A baby can be born and slaughtered. I'm coming back to that in a minute. Why? He took away their ability to know right from wrong and good from evil, and he put agents of darkness and agents of death in their seats of authority so that the people get what they want. We don't want life. We don't want health. We don't want righteousness. We don't want truth. We don't want life that is, that is uh, perpetuating. We want the pleasures of sin for our, uh, a season, and if death is our consequence, so be it. But I'm coming back to that. 
He said, and I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. And behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. And when they say unto you, seek them that have familiar spirits and wizards that peep. That's necromancers. And that mutter should not a people seek unto their God for the lips. Should the, why should the living, why seek the living for the dead? In other words, why go to the dead for answers about the living? That's Bible. See, a lot of this stuff, had we just stayed in the word, we would have offset it. We would have held it off. And then he says, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, the word of the God whose world I just came back from, it is because there's no light in them. So when God takes away your ability to know right from wrong, that is a sad case. That means you are, you are permanently doomed. So that is why God's raising up his people, those who have stayed with him, for it. So let's go back to this here, up to delivery. So let me tell you about this. Now, this is just God's perspective. If they can kill a baby upon being born, they need to let every murderer out of jail. Because they just destroyed their laws against murder. Because this is murder in this world, not in that womb, in this world. So now you're telling a woman she can kill murder. Because, see, murder is malice of forethought. That is, mm -mm, that's deliberate. So if you're telling her that, then every murder in jail has a get-out-of-jail-free card. Because you have just redefined murder for your state. And if I were one of them people, I would, yes, I would. I'd have a, a whole mass, what do you call it, um, class suit or whatever, mass uh, complaint, complaint, lawsuit, that's what I was like, and say, oh, no, because you can't give me a life sentence. You, can t- you not, cannot tell me that I cannot. If every woman either needs to be in jail, every woman and every abortionist needs to be in jail for murder, or you need to let your murderers out because you all have done something. You have no idea what you did. And it, I'm telling you, the, the wages, the judgment on that state is, will be horrendous because that's murder. Now you're saying that even the judges cannot intercede and attorneys cannot intervene in a child's life because the mama said, I figured I had a fight with my boyfriend last night. I had a fight with my husband. I got a new job. I'm telling you, I promise you by the Holy Ghost, the backlash on this is going to be so horrendous that they're going to repeal that. And if not, then God is issuing. See, I'm telling you, he's sending evil angels. Because, see, we think that evil angels scared Jesus. He said, I'm sending hordes of evil angels on that state. There will be no peace. There will be no safety, and there will be no prosperity. Thus says the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, I promise you, promise you, is a death knell for that state and any state that follows it, and we have a few. 
There are certain things, you know, when you read your Bible, you say, well, God, you let that go, you let that go, you let that go. But you're talking about vicious people being able to club your baby in the head because, you know, everybody is not. As much as we like to say they're humane, people define humanity as different things. They can take your baby home and sell it. They can take your baby and slaughter it. They can kill your baby and make it a cadaver. You have no idea. This is the worst decision any state can have. Now, on that note, I got people outside and folk inside. I got a prophet that's on the outside coming on the inside. Maybe not. I got one in, one over here, and one over there. And I even left the gavel in your reach. Now you can tell, you can see. I know. She said, why me? Mm, good today. No, because you understand that we already saw on the news how the abortionists treat their um, the the, the um, what they call it what they call it the waste because and is it and we saw babies I got pictures don't mess with me because I'll show you them pictures and I got pictures of them being exploded in the womb head off oh, yeah. arms out so we know that that's a cruel business anybody who can pass that law is cruel and any woman who can do it is cruel. And you're now, it's not just you're going to have to deal with the abortion. You're going to have to deal with wondering how they handle your aborted fetus. Because trust me, the only reason to pass a law like that is, is the wicked science that we got going on. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. They, they need flesh. And so that's yep. why uh, there's a lot of reasons why abortion are still legal because there are a lot of industries that need that. And what better way to get it? They want, now the time is whatever they're working on, they want to test that yeah. on a fully mature human being. Yes. So you can assume that, but you don't know if your child is not going to be kidnapped and taken and made a lab rat and locked up in some sort of laboratory. So you don't know anything about that. So all you know is human that you don't want, thank you, human traffic. Yes, human yes. traffic. All you know is that you don't want to be a mother, so you choose to be a murderer. Because you're going to get older, and you're going, to, um, you're going to leave this planet. And when you leave this planet, you're going to have to be, face the one who really legislates murder and killing, and who really differentiates between legal killing and heinous murder. You are, that's a horrible thing. And I know a lot of women will be going there to do that, but I promise you by the Holy Ghost, you won't do it long. I know Jesus. I know that. And I'm telling you, you are not going to know what they did with your fetus. You will never know. But God will know. God will know. Because this whole idea that abortion is a free ticket to paradise. Right. So I'm just, I'm just going to give my kid a ticket to paradise. It's a better thing. I say to you pro-lifers, the reason that this thing can stand is because you keep putting paradise at the end of the act. Well, all the little babies are just going to walk around heaven all day. Blops. Where are they getting bodies from? Blops. What? You can't even, I mean, literally, you cannot technologize that. You don't even know. And so as long as you keep letting these women believe that they are doing their babies a good Mm-hmm. a job, then you don't have to worry about it because you cannot, you cannot tell somebody something is evil when the outcome is absolutely 
glory. So you need to change your rhetoric, and you need to go read your Bible and see how your rhetoric will be carried out in God's realm. Because they don't have some sort of conveyor belt talking about border babies, number two billion border. There you go. There you go. There you go. No. No. Little angel getting his wings. Uh uh huh. Okay, didn't get a face, didn't get a body, but it's getting wings. Guys. Wow. Anyway. Wow. Prophet ID. Today, today, I do. I actually had to go back and grab my highlighter because you were still speaking. I needed some more blue. <laughs> um, wow, today's really powerful. You talked earlier about, um, okay, the difference between being safe and being comfortable. We've been talking about, in Sunday school, we've been talking a lot about your messages mm-hmm. about apostleship, the reason for apostles, just trying to grasp and understand why God is resetting things. Because I, I had asked you before, you know, what are the apostles bringing? What are they going to do? So I thought that was really powerful because you then followed that up with saying how um, the strategy is to rid us of apostles and prophets so that a breach can be made. Yes. So that helps us to connect the dots between what apostles and mm-hmm. prophets do in our lives that close the gap, close yes. the breaches, which I think is really important because you're bringing a lot of um, purpose and meaning back to these offices outside of what people have have been viewing them as. Yes. You know, prophets right now are just viewed as like, you know, autoton af- affirmation people, you know, just affirm me, just confirm what God said to me. Spiritual um, spiritual news bearers. Absolutely. You know, they you like, know, just, like the newscast. Encouragers. Encouragers you know? and spiritual newscast. Oh, absolutely. And that's that's the language people use even when you do give them a mm-hmm. prophecy now. You know, they'll say, oh, yeah, when God, that just confirms, that just confirms. I'm like, if it confirmed, then why were you asking for the word? But anyhow. Um, but you, <laughs> no, when they do that, I either walk away or I tell them that, um, this wasn't confirming because your life shows you didn't know. You didn't know. You didn't know. you know better, you do better. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I love that. And you, because <laughs> you talked about that today. Um, I want to go back. Okay. 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 We have to go back. Because the uh-huh. mantles and the earth. Oh, you see it's fine. See, see. <laughs> See, Dr. Paula Bryce thought that she was going to slip that in there on us. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go back to the prophet's mantle has things we never catch. <clears throat> that the stored in the earth piece. Mm-hmm. So is that the case, essentially? So they, they thought that he was Isaiah coming back, Elijah coming back. So then are you saying that these mantles are resting in the earth? So where are people walking in these mantles? I mean, what? Let's Can I say Elisha? Okay. Okay, okay. Okay. So then, yes. <laughs> so then, yes, these mantles are, okay, there. So does that mean, okay, let, and the, John Abbott, like John Abbott, like John Abbott pulling, so mm-hmm. then he was pulling on a mantle that yep. was already in the earth. Absolutely. Well, because the prophet's mantles for the earth are not in God's world. He doesn't need them. Well, because he kind of does know what's going on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we prophesy in part. We don't get the fullness of Evan's knowledge on anything. But these offices, as long as the institutions remain, which is why Satan needs to kill the institution of the church. Mm-hmm. So as long as the institution remains like any other institution, then the offices stay with the institution. Okay. So the gifts are in the genetic tree. Can I ask a question about your question? About yes. The okay. So you're saying y'all double teaming? Um, <laughs> y'all double teaming, right? We agree. Okay. We agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, like on a job, mm-hmm. if so, 
somebody vacates the chief of police office. Yes. Another chief of police. Somebody will be appointed Mm -hmm. to that office and then walks out that mantle. The office is not about the body that occupies it. The office is about the reason the institute retains it or sustains it. Okay. So think about that. In um, Psalm 68.18, it says that God, you know, led captivity captive. He ascended on high. He gave gifts to men. Where do we see that showing up? Isaiah. I mean, excuse me, Ephesians. Mm -hmm. So the Old Testament offices were always meant to be the New Testament or the global body of Christ institution and supply. So then you've, you've spoken before, especially about prophets, uh, saying that we are not initiating something as prophets, but we are continuing something. Absolutely. So does that, is that relate? Is That's that a part of the reason why they yeah. continue? Okay. Well, because think about Jesus. Jesus was nailing Israel, right, about, uh, on many occasions. But then he turned around here and said, well said Isaiah of you. Yeah. Okay. This Abraham did not do so those those people were officers. Abraham was a prophet. Isaiah was a prophet. They are prophets that literally uh, locked, captured and locked God's words and minds on the people that they covered or served. And so Jesus comes because that's why everybody thinks that Jesus brought something new. He said he himself said, "But I don't have a new word. Right. I brought the same word that y'all been missing. So y'all still don't like it." He said, now we gave it to you on stone, you didn't like it. We gave it to you on paper, you didn't like it. We put it in flesh, you didn't like it. The author comes himself, and you don't like it. So guess what? The problem is the word. Another reason to read before the garden and understand the continuum. I think that that just brings a lot of clarity Mm -hmm. to the concept of continuum. Absolutely. Well, prophets have to speak for their deities. The deities has, have a life before the prophet came and will outlast the mm. prophet's career. So if that's the case, the life of God's prophets, that's why the Greco-Roman model is so poor, because it only cares about that particular messenger's mm-hmm. um, voice in a specific situation. It's not institutional. It's not constitutional. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's individual. which explains why God doesn't use gifts at those national levels. No, he doesn't. Even if, um, if trust me, if, if most people, let me back up. God uses what we give right now, mm-hmm. and, and, and he controls what he controls. For example, Israel could worship God everywhere till we get to the place that he told them, and from that moment on, he did not uh, recognize their worship unless they were facing Jerusalem. Huh. He says, this is, where, this is where my name is, so you want to catch me? He has always been like that. With the 12 apostles, when they first started, we had this kind of institution. Mm-hmm. As the numbers grew and as they spread out, God began to put mandates on them. As a matter of fact, the apostles were the first time that God built the institution before he populated it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Moses had to build, had to bring the population. And then, and then build and the then institution. Build the I'm going to get some, some coffee, tip, something. Did you have something else to say? Did you want to share with your friends? <laughs> I will share. I will definitely share. I mean, there's much more to well, say. Give me one more. Give, give us a couple more. 
Okay. And the blue ink. And the blue ink. Well, that looks good, too. <laughs> deception is a personal choice. I thought was really powerful. Today, deception is a personal choice. Putting onus on us. Because last week, you know, I felt like that was a, a way to tie, uh, to put a bow on what you talked about last week about, you know, the, the, the ministers over these churches um, and us having to do our due diligence. I feel like that comment puts the responsibility back mm-hmm. on us as the people sitting in these seats and sitting in these pews, that it's not just that you can point the finger and say, well, my apostle deceived me or that prophet deceived me, no, no. Uh, <laughs> but that you are choosing to be deceived by even being in these congregations. So. How, would you, how would you, as a prophet, um, give them some indicators of a choice to be deceived as opposed to um, being, uh, uh, as opposed to not knowing what's going on. Like, how would they know? I mean, you're a prophet right now, yeah. so let's let's just play that out. What would you say would tell you if somebody came to you because you're an advisor here yeah. at PPM Global? Um, so, and they said, well, you know, it's just it's not me. I mean, it's just the Lord told me to be there, and I mean, but I know my pastor is this and that. How would you? Let them know that they are literally voting for their pastor's way yeah. instead of God's. I think that that's a tough one, but I think I would start out by questioning the system that they would use to vet anyone else in any other arena mm. and see if they followed their instincts in this. Because um, many times, you know, we'll talk to people when we're doing assessment reviews and things of that nature, and they'll make comments like, I mean, I know I just have this call, but I just have no idea what to do. I just have no idea what to do with it. And I'll usually question that, well, you have an idea of what to do with it, because if you knew that you were called to be a lawyer, if you knew you'd be called to be a doctor, you wouldn't be saying, I have no idea what to do with this mm-hmm. call. You know, you would be <laughs> researching, okay, you go to law school, you mm-hmm. go to med school, you you, think, you know that there's a process to getting to that place. Mm-hmm. So I think that we'd have to start with, well, what about this situation made you not do due diligence where you would have done it everywhere else? Everywhere. You know what I'm saying? You would have done it on your job. You know what I'm saying? Yep. If, you're, if, you're, Car, if your boss house, was... contractor. Exactly. If there were things that were, you know, if there were some gut checks that you were having about your boss, you'd dig a little. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's some investigation. How about there's investigation that you would do to even work there? You know what I mean? Yep. The people say, well, I didn't want to work there because the environment was weird or mm-hmm. they didn't greet me right at the door. These things of that nature, you know, but yet you're going to not ask any questions at all about who you're sitting under for your spiritual leadership and destiny. Mm-hmm. So I think that I may start oh, at God. that place. Oh, good answer. Very good answer. How about you? I've, uh, I have advised people who have been in ministries that were not on the up and up. And I said, well, there's a couple things happening. Either the Lord has placed you in a, in a ministry because he's going to judge that ministry and you need to be judged too. Mm-hmm. Or you are emotionally <laughs> tied and connected and yes. don't want to let it go yes. for personal reasons. You've invested time. You've invested money. You've invested prayers. You don't want to be. And I want to have to face the fact that you were wrong. That you were wrong. Yes. And so you want to pray it through. Okay, that's one of our other. I'm just here to pray it through. When this is going to go down, mm-hmm. every dream, every prophecy, every word from God has told you He's going to slice this thing mm-hmm. and hack it all the way down. Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity to make a decision now. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, you'll be a part of the fallout. And the judgment. You know, the Bible says that if you are a party to or you approve something that God condemns, he charges you as having been a participant. And that's body. And that's number one. And number, I think another point, which is so good when you said about, yeah, but you you test everything else. Many, uh, many people stay with those 
false people because they really want the people to turn before it is exposed that they followed a charlatan, that they followed a deceiver. People, it's kind of like when people are conned, you know, especially the elderly. When people are conned, they don't even tell it. And they don't tell it because they don't want the world to know that they were that unenlightened. Yeah. And that's susceptible. And that's what you all do with these churches you stay in. You don't want anybody to know. You'd rather say the Bible is wrong. You'd rather say the Holy Ghost is wrong. You'd rather say that the, the, the righteous Christians are wrong, the conformance and the compliance are wrong. You'd rather say that than have your family know that you followed yeah. a deceiver. You followed an antichrist Christian. Yep. And that's hard. And I think uh, in a lot of ways, sometimes people do that. Even after hearing messages like yours, they still won't make a move uh, because it's easier to sit in a place where you're not questioning the leadership so that no one's questioning you. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I, I'm not going to cast a stone mm-hmm. at my leader or question them because, listen, I have stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I have stuff. I don't want anybody casting a stone or judging me. So, you know, I feel like this is a judge-free zone. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. judging my apostles. My apostles not judging me. You know, and I think that people justify that mm-hmm. as well. You know, it, it's just it's a, it's a more comfortable process. Yeah. Yeah, who am I to judge because there's things that I don't want people judging about me. That's usually mm-hmm. where that's usually the sentence that's actually coming next, yes. whether people say it or not. That's who it. am I to judge? But what comes next is because I don't want anyone judging me. But, you know, I want to say this. That's a, such a good answer. And you know what? You may not feel comfortable judging your leader, but you should judge the needs of your soul. You should judge whether or not the God that you think you're following the God that you feel saved your soul, you should judge whether his prescription for your life and your afterlife are being treated. And so if you can't find what your pastor says is God's approval in the word, then you should be concerned. Most Christians don't even need the Bible because that inward witness of the Holy Ghost starts kicking up. God starts kicking So if God's not kicking up, either he's waiting for you to make the right decision or he has already resolved that you are damaged goods. Woo. I'm going to read you two passages because you know I got passages. <laughs> Isaiah 66.4 is something that is so powerful, but I'm going to read the end of 66.3. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighted in their abominations. You know, y'all who like all of that, it's okay to be promiscuous and, and, and homosexuality is of God. See, that's what the, God said you chose that. So this is what happens. When you make a bad choice, God gives you about a, a space of time to sort it out, sift it out, find it out, trace it down, and then change your mind. If you don't, he said, verse 4, I will also choose their delusions and will bring their fears upon them. Because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted. I'm sorry, I delighted not. So, and then he has a word for those who tremble. He says, so hear the word of the Lord, ye that tremble at his word, your brethren that hated you, that cast you out for my name's sake, said, let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to you to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. So I'm going to tell you that. And then, you know, because God has ways. I'm telling you, we, just because God is not 
jumping on everybody individually doesn't mean that he's not collecting them as a group to deal with. Because God deals with groups. Like he deals with masses. He says that. So he, he, you know, if one person does it, he says, well, you know, one person, what am I going to look like? I mean, he might or might not do something about it. But when that thing becomes a trend, when it becomes a population, then he deals with population groups. Because he's the mighty God, and he's got to, because by the time it swelled into a population, that sin that started as a seed in one individual has now become an instrument of doom and death. Good. Yeah. Good. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. So you have to start thinking about that. Why don't you dig up what you got going on? I would uh, like to take a moment to talk about our Total Prophetic Training Institute. I think this is a great broadcast okay. to address why people need to come. Do that. It's early in the year, and today you so hammered the importance of prophets being trained mm-hmm. and the fallout, the consequences, the damage. Mm-hmm. As a result, uh, this year's theme, it's, wait, first of all, hold on. I have my, I had to write my dates down. June 19th through the 22nd, June 19th through the 22nd, the 23rd, which is a Sunday, we are having church and baptism for scripturally organic, culturally unmodified. But the theme is prophetic ed, the importance of prophetic education. Mm -hmm. And these are the training topics that we have. Prophetic guardianship, the dangers of an untrained prophet, Establishing a viable and relevant prophetic organization, building a prophetic watch force and task force, and the role of the prophetic in media. Yes. We need all of that. Really, really rich. I love how you are steering this year already with the Lord Mm -hmm. in where we're headed in June. Yes. In our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. If you're serious, not just a serious watcher. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And I'm not talking about watchman, watchman, watcher, but viewer. If you're really serious about that, you need to be in Tulsa in June. You need to bring your prophetic companies, your intercessor squads, your trainees, Mm -hmm. your people who maybe you're not capable of explaining the importance of this office. We are. Mm -hmm. We're here. We have Mm -hmm. school. We are. This is who you are. This is what we do. And begin to mobilize your teams and groups to get their monies together for tickets or car rentals, hotel registration, everything now. It's January. Plenty of time to get those groups together and get to Tulsa in June. Because right now, we're here. We're at critical mass in the body of Christ. We're talking about Lady Gaga coming out against the vice president, all the things that we learned today and we are learning, tattoos and, and the dangers and what God really says. If you're sitting and watching this broadcast and you have a series of posters in your mind of, wow, I didn't know that. Wow, I didn't know that. I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, wow, this is great. This is revelation. <laughs> That's the sign and the wonder you need <laughs> 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 to register for our event. We have group discounts, group rates, all kind of things for just about every type. Young people, we also have a program for teenagers as well in June, and we know they are probably the most vulnerable because of that age group. Get everybody here. When you were talking, I was pulling up that information thinking, we're here. And give us a call because we can help you make your group arrangements, uh, talk talk to you about travel, accommodations, the best way to get out here. Um, So call us. Call our offices, 877-419-1299, We'll help you get a customized package together for bringing your group out here to Tulsa for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. Yes. And remember, God starts everything with a prophet. 
Surely the Lord God does nothing except he reveals his secrets to the prophets. And I'm telling you, you know, we can, we, we can play all day long, but the prophets are like that, that boots on the ground, hand on, hand on force of ministers who, who take what's enacted What's, legisl- what's legislated, and they enact it, and then they enforce it. We need tons of it. I know you hear people say all the time, wow, every time you turn around, there's a prophet. We- no, I haven't seen enough. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, unless I haven't turned around enough, I haven't seen one. <laughs> because we need literally multiply millions of prophets on God's staff and in God's service today. Multiply millions. We need them trained. We need them educated. We need them tried and proven. Yeah. And we need yeah. them in authenticated. So all of this here, let's jump bump up to the apostle. You don't even know what an apostle is. And trust me, apostolic devils will take you out. Yeah. Well, you said Look a couple, at a lot of them already. You said a couple of things about that even before, how even that was the strategy of vacating mm-hmm. the prophet's yeah. office with false promotion. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that because of the way we train prophets to be more than prophesiers, mm-hmm. We do. So that, no, we're not going to have more people running around chasing you down to give you a word. Mm-mm. We're going to have prophets doing the actual job. And the full office, mm-hmm. discharging the full office, capably and competently. And I can add profitably. Yes. Because that's part of it. So I want you to recognize that this heart reset, we need profits. Because it's the profits to kick off the hard reset in mass. Yes. We need that. But don't come to and, and think that all that you've learned from the last move is going to work in a new move because that company shut down. Mm-hmm. And this is a new company. It's kind of like coming, coming to your company after you've been there 20 years, leaving for about maybe 10 or 15 years, and come back and find out it's a whole different company. Yeah. yeah. In every way. In every way because it's for the present and the future, not the past. So you said you have comments. Yes. Yeah, that's good. When you made a statement, you cannot guard physically what God isn't guarding spiritually. Right? And how you really do have to know where he is and where he isn't. Yes. Yeah. And how um, many times when he does tell you it's time to move on, it's mm-hmm. because he's already moved on. Yeah. Uh, no. And he's not blessed. We were talking this morning about these big-name preachers and ministers now going back to actually preaching what's in the Bible. Yeah, and aren't we glad. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and saying, oops, we messed up. Now that we've lost the kingdom and cost mm-hmm. God everything, and we've made our multi-millions of dollars. Yes. Oops. Yeah. We'll fix it. You know like how your kids do? I can fix it. I no, can fix can. it. No, you can't. And that's what we call a priceless gift. Somebody mm-hmm. gave it to No, you can't. <laughs> and then uh, well, you, you just – ran through how God was an operation in you and you were an operative mm-hmm. of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And you really don't think that an operative is someone who is in operation yeah. of mm-hmm. whatever you are an operative of. And then after that, we talked about the violent take it by force. It doesn't say the Christian. Mm-mm. Never said that. It doesn't Never say the, the loving. It doesn't say the church. It says the violent. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen even in this wave of false Christianity, was a violent takeover. It was violent. These people flat-footed stood in your face telling you, 
You're not going to judge me. You're not going to condemn me. You better love me and show the love of Christ by allowing me to do whatever I want to do in his name, and everything is okay. And so the violent have taken it by force, which is now we have to take it by force. Take it back. We're taking it back. We're taking it back. We're taking it back now. We're taking it back. We're taking it back. We're taking it back now. Come on, Prophet D, where you at? You left us. I'm in motion. You working hard over there? I need you to join. I need you to join the force. We need to three The force be with you. Join the force. Be the force. That's part. How do you be broken? <laughs> and then you said, and welcome. Um, we ask pew questions from the pew and yeah. get upset when we get cosmic answers. Ooh. Yeah. And how we do have that. I'm looking at the pulpit. This is my question. And God comes down with the big picture. Mm-hmm. And it's like, don't ignore my question. You said, no, no. You, first of all, you're asking the wrong question. Okay. Yeah. Of the wrong person. Of the, there is that. Mm-hmm. And how because we don't have the apostles and prophets in place, we don't understand the cosmic things of the Lord. No. And the Bible says the earth is the Lord. What? And the fullness thereof, the world, cosmic world, and they that dwell therein. So apostles and prophets are supposed to give us world and cosmic and also eternal or heavenly um, answers because we are eternity in the now for the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Thank you. You're turning in the now. See, we're not waiting to get to heaven. We are literally actually mirroring heaven on earth and not paradise with the little naked people running around eating some some. Fruit and carrying on. No, 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 no. We're talking mir- to chipmunks. <laughs> and, wa- and fish standing up on this thing, chatting, saying, oh, we, don't, we can walk now. No. That, no, that, 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 that's caricature. And this yeah. is not a caricature heaven. We are the embassy of God's eternal world. The church, the ecclesia is God's embassy in this world. So nobody expected embassy to be different from the nation that sent it or established it. The embassy has a duty to replicate the sending country in the foreign land. We are the embassy of God. The church is embassy. That's why the apostles and prophets, Paul calls them the ambassadors. If, he, if, we are, if the apostles are ambassadors, then you can rest assured that we, the church is the embassy. Question. Answer. <laughs> See, this is also how Dr. Price gets. We're about to start shooting season two of Taking It On with Paul yeah. Price. And this other thing begins to Come wake up, up on the inside. <laughs> That's true. Of animation. All right, so we have people who are watching. They're, they realize I'm under a false Ooh. minister. See, why do you all do this to me in public? This is a good question. Okay. And they realize, I got to go. Mm-hmm. So they look, they leave. Non-confrontational, you just, you know, yeah. the Lord is moving me on. Isn't that what we said? What we don't want to say? Yeah. What should they do yeah. to detox themselves from what they've taken in? We'll just say yeah. what they've taken yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, wow. See, that, was, that wasn't the question. Yeah. No, wasn't. Thank you. 
Appreciate that. Um, the first thing I would tell you is get back in Scripture. The fast is the Bible said the word cleanses. Mm-hmm. So he said we are cleansed by the you know, by the washing and regeneration of the word. So you have to get in Scripture, and I mean in Scripture. And, and, and really, this is not about remembering Scripture or anything. This is about letting the power and the efficacy that is inherent and innate to God's word, inspired word, saturate you. Immerse yourself in Scripture. Immerse yourself in Bible teachings that stay in Scripture with no extrapolation. We just, we just you know, um, just immerse yourself in Scripture. Um, Prophet Angela is still doing her read the oh. Bible in 40 days. You can put that on our site so you'll know yes. how to go and listen. So the first thing, because you have to, the Bible is considered to be not just bread, but water. Yeah. And so the so then that means that it washes your soul. And I was going there. I'm glad you reminded me. Look at you. Thank you, Jesus. Teamwork. Teamwork. I love teamwork. You know, I'm big on teamwork. And so that's the first thing. And then secondly, put yourself under a ministry that you know teaches the scriptures as God intended, as God authored them. You want to be under the um, scriptures authoring mantles at a time like that. It's not to say you should stay there, but it is to say that you need a powerful, powerful cleaning. You need a detox. You have to detox it. So you want to put yourself under that. Ideally, you'll come under an apostle or prophet who subscribes to Acts 26.18, as well as Ephesians 2.20, because that's important. And so then you want to do that. But the one thing you don't want to do is, is serve and minister until you're purged. Oh, that's good. Keep yourself out of the, the presence because those spirits, you'll wash, they'll come back. You'll wash, they'll come back because you'll be touching people and they'll be coming back while you're trying to cleanse yourself. The Lord will give, cause you to have anywhere from uh, six months to three years mm. where he will scrub somebody else's anointing out of your life off your soul, because those things have anointing. Words have power. So you need that. Now, you, but you want to make sure that while you're being washed in the word by the regeneration of the word, you're taking in what God's leading you to. So that's very important. So let me show you this. I want to research, read this to you. This comes from, it's related to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. This comes from Second Corinthians 7.1. When I got um, when I got born again, I was um, I was stunned that people kept saying that there was no uh, there's no way that your new creation spirit could be soiled. Y'all remember that a lot of you all out yeah. there. Once it's new, it's clean, and God's got to keep it clean. So let me just tell you that that was an assumption. <laughs> mm. So I'm going to read this. We're coming to the end, so you might as well. Um, do this. And so it says, this is Paul. Paul is reading. He says, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open to you. Our heart is enlarged. You are not strained or restrained in us, but are straightened or bound in your own bowels. I have to change the language because the other translation, I need my other Bible here. So I want you to understand it. He said, so you are bound by bowels. Well, bowels in Bible mean affections, passions, desires, appetites, and lusts for or against Christ. All right? He said, now for recompense in the same time I speak as unto my children, 
be you also enlarged. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? What is he saying? They cancel out each other. And what communion have light with darkness? You get the gray areas. And what concord or agreement had Christ with Belial? Now, I need you to understand that it means it comes from a root that says, this is a question of concord. So you get that? It comes from a root that says, do Christ and Belial share the same heart and mind? Mm. Belial being a type of the devil or demonic. So he's asking you, can you really stand in my face and say, I, Jesus Christ, have the same mind and heart as Satan? Wow. Ooh. Wow. He said, or what parts has he that believeth with the infidel? I like that one. The infidel is not only the non-believer, but it's the one who, who breaks away from faith and its duty to Christ. That's the Antichrist Christian. So, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And then he says, when you do that, I will receive you. And, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord. So there's a lot. Like if this was a Bible class, you would be, we'd be eating this up. But here's where I want you to go. That's verse 18 of chapter 6. Chapter 7 opens with, having therefore these promises. Based on God's promises to you, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So if you're going to step out, you're going to have to clean your flesh. And a lot of you all all tied it up and can on. You better get some dumber blend or something because um, it's ugly and God hates it. And so, of the flesh, and then the spirit. Did you notice he said, but cleanse yourself from the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, which means you're, you can make your new creation spirit filthy. Ooh. He's writing to the Corinthian church. He's not write, writing to the Corinthian parliament. Church. Wow. Senate. He's writing to the Corinthian church. And what you just read was his issues with the church. The church is very Corinthianic now. All of these arguments that we have, all were the Corinthian church. You need to read Corinthians so you can recognize that the same thing you're saying. But we're free. But we, we don't have to leave everything about the devil alone. But he's certainly going to take everything about you. Wow. Did you want to say one more? It's time for an offering. Oh, it's time for an offering. That's so good. All right, guys, it's time to give. We're going to do that right now. I'm going to give you a couple of ways that you can do that. If you've been blessed today, you know you have. All right, you can give via PayPal, paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. If you're a Cash App user, then her tag there is going to be the dollar sign and then Dr. Paula Price, no spaces. You can also give via text to give 918-608-1378, 918-608-1378. You know this was good today. 
and this is how we can continue to bring this to you, but not just to you, but to the world. So when you're sowing into this, you're sowing to our ability to bring this to the world, take, take it on season two, is coming back, um, and your gifts and seeds are enabling us to do that and to make this happen, to multiply this word. So again, text to give, 918-608-1378, and someone will post that up for us, paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price, and then also cash app with the dollar sign, Dr. Paula Price. Hey, great show today. You've been a magnificent audience as usual. Join us Sunday, 8 o'clock for Sunday School at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands. And stay in there for 10 o'clock where I bring the word of the Lord. The praise and worship is amazing. We usually have a nice dance session before the word comes. Make sure you join us. If you're in the Tulsa area, come on over to Bixby. Go to my website, drpaulaaprice.com, and get the directions to church on Sunday. Bring your family, your friends, etc. Until then, I bless you in the name of the Lord. I command harvest on those of you who have sown seeds and will be sowing seeds today and throughout the week. I command the harvest. I speak healing to some of you. Those of you, somebody's about to have a major surgery. I'm going to tell you right now, God said, be not afraid. Do not be dismayed. Do not worry. I will hold your surgeon's hand, and I will bring you through this thing. Someone else, I don't know who you are, but you got a foot ankle kind of thing. I'm looking at it, and and I'm really talking to the one, one with the foot ankle dislocation, but the one who's feet are swell because of diabetes. I commission our healing to come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I cast out that lung infection. Pneumonia is trying to get you. I shut that spirit down. That spirit of infirmity will not enter your body. Somebody else, I see you trying to decide whether or not you should take some sort of psychotropic drug or for healing. Listen to me. God's going to heal you. But if your faith is not solid enough, to let God heal you directly, then he's going to heal you through an intermediary. You will not carry this mental torment that you've had any longer. Give God eight months, and he's going to heal you and deliver your soul. You're going to have a great life. Listen, be blessed of the Lord. I love you dearly. Have a great afternoon. Yes? Yes. Yay.